good to be back, and it's my pleasure to be preaching at our Itaewon service. It's only my second time, but uh, I feel really comfortable around you guys. I really love Itaewon campus. So if you haven't met me, especially if you are a member of New Philly and you, you don't know who I am, shame on you, but uh, please come talk to me and just meet me, at least share your name. I'm sure I know all of you, at least your names. So it's hard to match your faces and names together. So uh, if you are unsure if I know you or not, just come talk to me, you know, tell me your name, and I would love to meet you guys after the service today. All right, cool? All right, my name is Myung-Hwa Choi. I am an executive pastor of New Philly. So I oversee all three campuses, uh, but I'm, uh, I'm normally at Hillside Service. So I didn't know that I was going to preach at Itaewon until, until very recently. <laughs> so when I found out, oh, I'm really preaching here, I was wondering, man, what should I share? You know, what should I talk about? But then uh, God's done so much in the permission trip, which I just came back from, that I feel like God has something special for you guys today. Uh, I got back like three days ago. Uh, Nepal mission trip was amazing. Where's my team members? Woo! All right. That kind of chill, quiet. So, yeah, all right. So, the permission trip was amazing. As you heard, amazing testimony from Arabelle. Uh, next week, we, next week, you guys are going to hear more about Nepal. But, um, it was truly an amazing trip. And then it was more special for me because, uh, I've been to Nepal once in 2007. And I was a baby believer. I remember being the Mangne, the baby of the team. I went there. I didn't know what I was doing, but got this so much in the trip. Uh, I experienced the Holy Spirit for the first time. God showing up in power. I've never seen such a thing. I myself received the uh, gift of tongue for the first time, and God was just moving. And uh, for me to go and do the same thing to the people, um, you know, like five years ago, you know, it was just a lot of, um, I don't know, like fresh encounter with the Lord. You know, he brought me back to the place, very place where, where I fell in love with him. So, um, so special to me. And also, as I shared, uh, I was the baby of the team, the youngest, and um, I was a troublemaker. You know, I would make my leader cry and all that. But then um, I was pretty mean, okay? So, <laughs> and then uh, God gave me a special opportunity in uh, 2007 where I could share my uh, testimony with the people there. So I shared my testimony in my broken English. My English wasn't that good. I, you know, I said, like, I would like to share my love story with Jesus. You know, really cute, right? But uh, <laughs> I shared my testimony, and uh, three people, surprisingly, got saved through my testimony. And God really, that was my first time publicly sharing about my life. Uh, and God just planted something mighty in me. And I knew that 2012, as I was going back after five years, God will really bloom that. God will really, like, complete and fulfill that work that he began five years ago. So I had a lot of hope for a uh, breakthrough in my preaching ministry, in my ministry, like, in general, like, altar calls and, you know, Holy Spirit moving. I had a lot of hopes and expectations for this trip. But then the very thing that God put inside of me, uh, for my good and for the peop- good of the people there, that was the very thing that was causing me to stumble. And uh, it was actually hindering me a lot. Uh, let me explain more. But inner struggle was constantly going on in my heart a few weeks before the trip uh, regarding me being the preacher of the team. Of course, I had John Michael with me, so I didn't have to preach all the time, unlike other trips that I had to. Uh, I just couldn't figure out why I was feeling that way because... Um, you know, I preached, I think, not that long, but like three years of experience at New Philly, on missions. 
I thought I was already over the insecurity. But then for some reason, I was feeling really insecure about that. And I was thinking, man, I thought I was over this, you know. I thought I was better than this. And I preached about, you know, preach against the spirit of performance and all that. Why am I struggling this way? And I just really couldn't figure out why. And um, I was just praying, and I would be like, this is a lie. I am free from this. That's a lie. I break it. But then I will come out of the prayer room feeling the same way. You know, oh, why am I feeling so insecure? It wouldn't easily go away. So I struggled with the Lord. And then it was a Sunday right before the trip. Um, worship team was singing at Hillside, and then this song really ministered to my heart. You guys know that song, Love Came Down? I don't want to sing this right now, but it just ministered to me so powerfully. It says, mountain high or valley low. Okay, I just sing it. I sing, I remind my soul, you know, I sing, I remind my soul, I am yours. I am forever yours. If you don't know this song, you have to listen to it. It's a really powerful song. And as I was worshiping, closing my eyes, tears were streaming down my face. And then I was getting all these flashbacks with the voice of the Father just speaking to me, right? Um, as I was singing it, I saw mountain highs, literally mountaintops, peaks, and high places. And I was getting flashbacks from my um, mission trips in the past, uh, particularly Jen San, General Santos in the Philippines. 2011, beginning of that year, I led a team there, and then we saw the mightiest move of the work ever in my life, in my short life. And then that trip's like my uh, favorite trip ever, right? And then God was giving me all those flashbacks of me preaching to the youth, preaching to all these people, and then watching people set free and powerful manifestations and crazy stuff, right? It's glory falling. And then another memory popped in my head uh, where in April, I also had an opportunity to speak to youth. Uh, it was an like, international school retreat. And then divine connection was made, and I was able to speak to the kids. And then it was just off the hook. It was a really powerful time. So I was reminded of all those moments, and I was feeling really good. Oh, mountain highs, mountain highs. But then the song goes mountain high, and then fairly low. I was like, oh, it's not fairly low. And then interestingly, what, what came to my mind was uh, my most recent mission trip before Nepal. It was to Bangladesh. Lisa was on my team, and then Rado, Mark Rado was on my team. Anyways, it was a powerful trip, but then for some reason, fairly low, and then this Bangladesh trip hit me, and I, was, I started crying. And all these frustrations, all these regrets were just hitting my heart. And the reason was, as a preacher, it's so difficult when people don't respond to you. Like facial expressions, like nodding, those are very important. <laughs> right, right. Very good. I love it, Taylor. <laughs> but then like Bangladesh people, they are just stone-faced. And they don't understand that single thing. Translation, I don't know if he was doing the right, was saying the right, I don't know. But people were just not responding. I mean, at the end, kids will raise their hands and receive Christ. And that's wonderful, great. I believe that Holy will work through them. uh, threw me in their hearts, but then it was so frustrating to repeat the same message over and over again, not being able to mention Holy Spirit because they're not educated, they wouldn't understand, you know, such a higher concept of God. So frustrated. I was just had a lot of um, frustration as a preacher. So fairly low moments as a preacher was, I guess, my Bangladesh trip. And I was just reflecting on these, all these emotions and feelings you know, mountain eye, valley low, mountain eye, valley low. God was just taking me through and through. You know, and then I was reflecting on the emotions and feelings that I had. On oh, mountain eye, I felt so good. I felt so valued. I felt so close to God. 
you know, God was using me. I felt so accepted, you know. But then in the valley, the feelings that I had were, I felt far away from God. I felt like his presence left me. I felt like I felt rejected. God, where are you? You know, kind of feelings. And I was like, why did I feel that way? You know, why did I feel that way? And then immediately God showed me a vision. It rarely happens, by the way. Okay, God showed me a vision of me riding on an eagle, on eagle's back. And I knew the eagle was God. Surprise. And then um, he was taking me high and lows, high and lows, mountaintops and valley lows, mountaintops and valley lows. He was driving. No, no. He was flying me through. He was flying me through the valleys and mountains, and I was just resting on his back, right? But then um, it's so funny. The altitude didn't matter. High or low didn't matter. Where he was taking me didn't even matter. And what mattered was that I was with him. And I was holding on to him. And the fact that I was riding on his back. And that just brought me so much security. And, um, and as I was doing that, the feeling that I constantly had was feeling so satisfied. So much joy and peace, comfort, security, and safety. And I was just fine. You know, Valley Mountain didn't matter. I was just having fun. And then the revelation got released. To me, through that was, right, this you have to get it, okay? I was so focused on not letting the law affect my identity. I was actually good at that. Because I preached about it. You know, it's not about what you do. You know, when you fail, God still embraces you. I was so focused on not letting the law touch my identity. And, you know, all the disappointments, quote-unquote failures, things that didn't go according to your plan, all things like that. And I learned to govern my spirit in that area. When I failed, when I didn't do well, I knew how to deal with it. I was fine with everything, not going according to my plan. All right, I can deal with it. You know, I knew how to control my look on my face, you know, still smile. I'm disappointed, but I, I could still smile. Um, you know, I was able to control my attitude, and I was good at that. But then what I realized was that I was only dealing with the half of the picture to really be free from this performance-based identity, I guess. I was so focused on the failure part. So when I fail, it's all good to shake it off and I'll be fine. Just smile and then pretend like nothing happened and you'll be fine kind of thing. God is still pleased with me. He's still proud of me. And I was really good at that. But then the success part, I kind of neglected it. So let me explain. So when things are going great, when I preached an amazing sermon, when I just laid down like a hundred people, you know, oh, everyone's slain, hallelujah. It was an amazing service, I'd say. And I, I was letting that affect my identity in a great deal. You could call it pride. Some people will call it different ways. But don't get me wrong, it's not an evil thing. Feeling satisfied, feeling a uh, sense of achievement, it's not an evil thing. Rejoicing over the fact that God used you, not an evil thing. But the unhealthy part that I was dealing with was when I did well, unconsciously, I felt better about myself. Uh, it would be my identity booster. Does that make sense? Like, uh, you know how I could tell? Because uh, when I preach terribly, when people tell me, wow, I was so blessed. You're such an awesome preacher. And it was so hard for me to receive that compliment. I just couldn't take it. But then when I felt like, okay, it, it went pretty well, 
When I thought that way, when people tell me, oh, I was really blessed, like, you're an amazing preacher, I would be like, oh, thank you. You didn't know that? <laughs> you know, my response would be different, you know. When I preached a terrible message, I would just want to go home and run away before the service ended so that no one could talk to me. You know what I'm saying? So it was easier for me to receive affirmations. It was easier for me to receive compliments when I did well. And I never knew that that was affecting my identity. And I will feel more worthy or even valuable. I will feel uh, approved, you know, more proven to other people. I'll feel, feel more confident next time I had to preach. I will feel more confident because of the experience, prior experience. And uh, I almost felt like I was more pleased with me, more than usual. I was earning and gaining his approval in a sense. I'm making myself very, very vulnerable to you guys. I hope you guys know that. Because I'm preaching, I'm talking about preaching at the same time, you know? <laughs> and then you guys are going to watch me after I preach, all right? So. <laughs> but, um, okay, that's fine. And um, by doing that, unconsciously, I set myself up for collapse. I set myself up for disappointment and collapse of my identity. When you build your identity on your success or on the things that you've achieved, or the things that are going really well, you are setting yourself up for collapse sooner or later. I mean, what you earn, you could easily lose it. Identity that you earn, you could lose it too. You know, any value that you earned, you could also lose it. The the flip side of the coin is like the one side or the other side. If I feel good about preaching a great sermon, when I don't do it, of course I'm going to feel terrible about it. You know, it's like a flip side of the coin. Can I have some water? Somebody? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's even open. Thank you. So many people in the church, I've noticed that they build their identity and their worth around their highs, mountain highs. For example, giftings. Bible tells us to eagerly desire giftings, and that's wonderful. But like people who uh, learn how to move in prophetics, when they are flowing in their prophetic words, they feel so good about. It. They feel so good about it. Oh, man, I'm so close to God, and God's using me. It's, unconsciously, it's boosting your identity, and then you're setting yourself up. And then when it doesn't flow, it's a lie, by the way. When it doesn't flow, you feel like, man, where is God? He's so far away. And you get disappointed. And you feel like you just didn't make it or you didn't earn God's approval. When you are like on the stage, it's more visible. For example, like worship leaders, singers, you know, because it's more visible. You know, it's got like, literally it's performance. So when they um, do well, it's easy for them to accept the compliment. Oh, you're such an awesome worship leader. It's easy to receive, right? When the session went really great. But then when you messed it up, your drummer was going crazy. And then you just lost it here and there. When you feel like you just messed it up, when people come up to you and say, I was really blessed by you. Man, you're an awesome worship leader. I mean, I'm pretty sure it's kind of hard to receive. you got to take it by faith. And I received that in faith. That's what you say, you know? So a lot of times, those identity boosters are around us. And most of the time, those are good ones. Those are good things. 
But then what I realized is that um, God's love and his acceptance is stable. It is unchanging. Regardless of our highs and lows that we feel, that we sense, that we feel like I'm on the mountaintop, I'm in the valley low. No, God's emotion, his, his love is unchanging and so stable. This one story came to my mind. I had a really great dad growing up. So my mom too. I always talk about my dad and forget about my mom. But then both of them are really amazing. Right? Uh, when I was growing up, I was really a zealous kid. So I was a good daughter academically. I studied really hard. And then growing up in a Korean society, it kind of makes you um, earn love and approval of other people, especially your parents. Any Koreans here, native Koreans? You feel me? A lot of Korean parents are just like that. So I'm going to talk about it more later. But I was a pretty, pretty good daughter. I was fine. I was pretty good. I behaved. And um, one thing that I really um, was obsessed with was getting awards. I don't know what you call it, but 상장. Like the, the piece of paper that your teacher gives to you when you do something really well, when you are academically really like outstanding, whatever. We call it 상장, right? I would just say it's a word, right? The teacher gives you all these awards, you know, at the end of the vacation, after the uh, exams, and it was kind of my hobby to get all of them. Uh, <laughs> like, all of them, any kind. I just was kind of collecting them, right? And I had, like, like big stacks of those awards because I was really a um, hardworking kid, right? And the teachers really liked me. I'm not going to lie. Um, <laughs> somebody told me this expression, brown noser. I wasn't that, but teachers liked me, all right? So, and then without knowing, a big part of my self-worth and value came from all those awards. So I will always look through them. I will feel good about myself. And I was a kid like that. I felt so proud whenever I got um, a couple, maybe sometimes three, sometimes like seven of them. I felt so proud. And I walked home, and then always I put them on top of the dining table, right in the middle. Right in the middle. When it's like seven, like, I would like, bam, 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 bam. Seven of them. Like, for my parents to come home and see them and to compliment me. So, that was kind of like, you know, that what really, like, made me feel valuable, you know. And then, um, <laughs> I would get so upset. I was furious whenever my mom and dad didn't recognize or comment on it, or they would just push it away to the side, and they will, you know, set up like a dinner table. And I was mad upset. Like, don't you, how, mom, mom and dad, how dare you? Like, I worked really hard for it. You, you gotta comment me on it, you know, you gotta, like, compliment, you gotta affirm me. And I was really um, obsessed with it. But then, um, this is what my dad said one day, okay, in Korean, in Busan dialect, in Saturi. He told me, he told me, um, I remember this day, he said, like, don't you, like, do I have to say something each time? And he said, like, don't you, don't you know that mom and dad are already proud of you? Like, do I have to comment on it each time? Like, he was kind of like, I feel bad for you, but do I have to say something whenever you do that? And it kind of like, I was like, of course, like, <laughs> of course you have to do it. I was like yelling at him, but then I thought it was interesting. Wow, my dad, my mom, they are proud of me. They don't have to say it all the time, you know? I mean, the way I was thinking was, I will earn more love. 
I will, you know, go higher, and then my parents will be more proud of me. That's how I was thinking in my mind. But what I missed was that they were still proud of me. Father's heart is just like that. It does not react to our performance like we think he will. It's stable the whole time. It's so stable. His love is so, so stable. When Jesus was baptized in Matthew chapter 3, the voice of the Father was heard to the Son. And it wasn't reaction to what Jesus did. If you really think about it, yes, he got baptized, but he never sinned against God before. So, like, washing of the sin didn't really happen. He was just playing in the water, I guess. So, like, cleansing of the sin didn't really happen. Jesus had no sin, right? So, baptism wasn't a significant action or performance that Jesus did. But then, God, it wasn't God saying, I'm well pleased with you. You are my beloved son. God saying that wasn't a reaction to anything that Jesus did. He wasn't reacting to your performance. It was just simply a revelation of God's heart. Revelation of the Father's heart just being revealed to him. Not about what you did. Not about good things that you can do for me. Not about the bad things either. I'm just saying it. Not reacting to your performance. Get it. I love you. And you are my beloved son. And I'm well pleased with you. Man. Koreans are really bad at this. Really bad at this. I can say it confidently because I'm a Korean too. All the affirmation, all the rebuke that you got growing up, it was all reaction to certain things that you did. You do well in school, you get affirmation, you get compliment, you mess up, you get rebuke, you get meme, they will beat you, uh, you know, all that, all this stuff. Discipline, it was always reaction based. You do something, get something good, you do something bad, you, you get something bad. Always reaction based. All the time. So being a Korean, growing up in this mentality, uh, in, my, in my relationship with God, a lot of times I will misunderstand God's heart. For example, in Bangladesh, uh, I got to preach to all these like half-naked men with their sickles, like the farmers, and because we got a flat tire, and then on the street, people started to gather. So I just ended up preaching gospel to them. We saw like 12 salvation on the street. And then, um, I mean, yeah, like, yeah, like, I, I did it. Like, it felt good. Uh, glory to God, whatever, you know. <laughs> but um, glory to God. Thank you, Lord. But then uh, right afterwards, God spoke to me, and he said, um, Youngwa, you did a beautiful job. I heard that from the Lord. And later on, what was so funny is that was a powerful moment of affirmation. Later on, uh, enemy was using that against me. Whenever I felt like I wasn't doing well, uh, he would like lie to me. Hey, 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 what happened to that beautiful job? Uh, you're not doing that. You know, it would kind of attack against me. And then recently, uh, you know, as I was getting ready for this and I was reflecting, God was just speaking to me so clearly. Myung-ha, you missed my heart. You missed my heart. I wasn't mentioning about how you preached the gospel on the street. I wasn't even talking about the 12 souls that you saved. I'm not talking about that. I just said, I'm just pleased with you. You know, you did a beautiful job. Like, he wasn't reacting to my performance. He was just letting me know that he, his heart for me was so pleased. You know, he just loved me. It wasn't any reaction to what I initiated. You know, even in the story of a prodigal son, you know, the older brother, you guys remember him? The younger brother was the one that was lost and came back. And then the older brother, his story is some, sometimes neglected, but um, 
you know, he gets really upset after the younger brother comes home. He gets really angry. And the Bible says he was upset and angry. And he talks to dad, you've never given me anything to celebrate with my friends. Some kind of animal. I think it's a goat or something. You never gave me a goat. You never recognized me. You never affirmed me. Like, I've been always here. Well, what's wrong with you? Like, he literally gets upset at the father. And basically, he was saying, how come I'm never recognized, not noticed, not appreciated? You know, how come you never affirm me? And the father says this. So interesting. Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. He says that. He's saying that all my love is yours. He's saying all my attention is yours. I'm loving you with the fullness of love, fullness of acceptance, fullness of my delight. I'm loving you. All I have in my heart is yours. Fully recognized, you're fully affirmed, you're fully accepted. All means all. All I have is yours. In fullness, you guys, it means 100%. There's nothing higher than that. There's nothing bigger than that. that There's nothing that could be possibly more than that. Fullness means fullness. 100% is 100%. And he was saying, you have my 100%. I affirm you with my 100%. I'm delighting over you with 100% of my heart. And you're fully loved. All of it is all yours. And then the son, I don't know if he got it or not. I hope he did. A lot of times... We, we do that to Heavenly Father. And sometimes we do that to our spiritual fathers or our leaders around us. How come you never notice me? You never recognize me. You know, how come you never affirm me? But then the heart of the Father is stable. You know, he already revealed his heart to you. I am pleased. You are my son, and I am happy. He already made it clear the revelation already went out. Not with the reaction to what you did, but when you didn't do anything, he already revealed it to you. And that's stable. That's just there. You cannot mess it up. You cannot make him love you more or love you less by what you do, what you can't do. It's just there. All of it is all yours. And brothers and sisters, we will be tempted sometimes to react to our own performances. Man, you know, oh man, I did a but good job. I would like to react to that. Man, I did a good job. Yeah. You know, sometimes when I mess up, I will want to react to that. You know, dang, I messed up again. My reaction doesn't mean that God's reacting the same way. His heart is fully revealed to you. I want you guys to all receive that. That you are my son. I am so pleased, well pleased with you. It's already revealed to you, and that's stable. That does not change by what you do or don't do. He's pleased and he loves you. I want us to just close our eyes and pray together, but um, yeah, why don't we do that? When we arrived in Kathmandu, um, I was looking outside the window on the flight. We were about 15 minutes away. I looked outside the window and I saw beautiful Himalaya mountains. The range covered with snow. It was gorgeous. And it was so interesting because the clouds were lower than the peaks. I've never seen such a thing. And um, beautiful mountain ranges and the peaks. And God was just showing me mountain highs, mountain highs. You know, mountain high moments, you remember? And it was so interesting. Right at that moment, I was meditating on the mountain high moments. And then God, uh, the captain of the flight, made an announcement saying, we are landing in Kathmandu Valley in 15 minutes. 
And I did not know that Kathmandu was a valley. But then the whole area is actually called Kathmandu Valley. And it was just reminding me about that revelation that I had when we were singing Love Came Down. And mountain high, valley low, like he is with me. It doesn't change anything. I might feel like, man, it's a high moment. I might feel like it's a low moment. I'm in the valley. I'm on top of the mountain. The way I feel doesn't really matter. God's heart is stable. He still loves me the same way. Brothers and sisters, your identity does not fluctuate according to how you feel. Your identity does not move around. Your worth will never change. You are valuable the way you are. It's never going to change. I want us to just think about one thing. Is there anything that makes you feel more lovable when you do certain things? Is there anything that makes you feel more valuable or worthy when you do that certain thing? I want us to think about it. For me, I'll be honest, it was preaching. It was ministry. When I did well, I, I felt like I was more lovable. I felt like my value just went up. I felt like I was proven to people and to God. See, I'm worthy. God, see, I'm valuable. What is that thing in your life that makes you feel like when you do that, God will love you more. God is more pleased with you. What is that thing? let that go together I want us to let that go together His love for you is always 100% always 100% it cannot go up it cannot go down it's always full the love tank is filled with His love it will not go up or down you are fully accepted fully accepted people cannot be more accepted than that it's maximum nothing that you do can make you more accepted it's already done I want us to quietly pray just confess to him God this and that always made me feel more valuable it made me feel better it always boosted up my identity and I will collapse but God I let it go today I admit that your love for me is 100% always mountain high or valley low it's always 100% I want us to just quietly speak to the Lord